Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's broadcast. This is Impact Cyber Church, where people from all over the world come together and go to church. Thank God for it. This is also where people all over the world have impact groups where they get together and they use these broadcasts to study the Word of God together and then pray for each other and minister to each other. You know, I hope you're having a, an eye group at your, at your house or in your church or at your business. I hope you're using these to reach and help as many people because that's the whole point of doing this. We want to help as many people as we possibly can. Now listen, today we're going to be Asking the question, are you waiting on God? Do you feel like you're waiting on God? You know, because we've talked about this whole thing about getting stuck between the promise and the manifestation. And sometimes you just feel like I'm stuck here. I know this is the promise of God. Nothing's happened, so I'm just waiting on God. Well, you know something? We're going to get you past waiting on God. We're going to take you someplace better than you've ever imagined. So don't go away. I'll be right back. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month all the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. Like I said in the opening, you know, it, it's so often it feels like we're just waiting on God. We're here. And, and, you know, some people teach that concept that we need to wait on God. And I do, I do understand that. You know, we take scriptures like Isaiah where, where he says, they that wait upon the Lord. Well, you know, that word there is not wait in the sense of I'm waiting for God to show up. That's a word that means to entwine or to wrap yourself around God and become one with him. So, First of all, I want to say, if you're waiting on God, you don't need to be waiting passively to see what God's going to do. Based on who you know God to be and based on what you know His promises to be, the thing you want to do is wrap yourself around Him. You want to become one with who He is and one with His promise. But sadly, so many people think that they're waiting for God to show up. And usually, when you think you're waiting on God to show up, you're thinking, okay, there's something i got to do to qualify myself. There's something I've got to do to get good enough. There's something i got to do to get clean enough for, for God to use me. And that's the kind of thing that throws you into dead works. You know, an interesting scripture, I talk about this in my book, Taking the Limits Off God. There was a woman that came to Jesus who had an issue of blood. Everybody knows about the issue of blood. And she came and, you know, she said in her heart, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll get saved. And so she did. She touched him of his garment. Well, there's a couple of things that we don't realize immediately about that story. First of all, if you look at, uh, uh, if, uh, at the history of Jesus and his ministry, you find out that other places that Jesus went, people thought they had to touch the hem of his garment to get healed because they thought that's what happened. And so when we think there's something special that needs to happen other than what God has already done through Jesus, then we put prerequisites, prerequisites on God. And so uh, Jesus clearly told the woman that it wasn't touching the hem of his garment that got her healed. It was her faith that got her healed. But see, the problem is when you put a prerequisite on God, you limit when you're willing to believe God and you're only willing to believe God 
once you have met the prerequisite. And then the sad thing is, you know, people will turn that into a religion. They'll turn it into a religious or ceremonial process where, all right, in order for people to get healed, they got to do this every time. Or in order to get your prayers answered, you've got to do this every time. You know something? All of that comes from limiting beliefs that we have about God. Now, here's an interesting scripture that people use incorrectly to often assume that we have to wait on God. And, you know, this, by the way, doesn't just apply to healing. This applies to any of the promises of God. Matthew 8, verse 2 says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, or I am willing, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know something? I have seen lepers in my crusades overseas instantaneously get clean skin, get their skin replaced. And it's a, it's a phenomenal thing to see. You know, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen everything you can imagine. And it is a phenomenal thing. And, and it warms my heart every time I see that. But the, one of the reasons I always had the courage to go out and have these crusades and give these types of invitations was this. See, we think we're waiting on God. We think we're waiting to discover the will of God. Now, remember, we've talked in past months about the fact that we have to learn how to think. We've got to, we got to learn how to look at Scripture and how to look at God. Well, if Jesus was the exact representation of God, and if the words that He spoke were the Father's words. If the works that he did were the exact same works of the Father, then we realize the moment he said, I am willing, then we know from that point forward that there is never really a scripture or, or a scriptural reason to wait for God's willingness. So really this scripture that should show us that that God's always willing, that it's always His will to heal. Instead, we turn it around and think that we have to individually or personally hear God say, yes, I'm willing. Yes, today is the day that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm finally ready to heal you. But see, Jesus settled that question. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to healing. This applies to every promise of God. So what few people are really willing to own is this. The question is not, is God willing to answer this prayer or do whatever I'm asking him to do? Most of the time, the real question is this, am I really willing? Now, the Bible tells us, and Jesus, uh, the Bible mentions many times about desire. Desire is a powerful thing, and desire can be an incredibly powerful thing. I mean, a, a positive thing. As a matter of fact, once you realize that God wants all of your desires fulfilled in a godly way, then your desires will always compel you to pursuing God. Your desires will always compel you to listen to the Holy Spirit because you know He's always going to lead you into a healthy fulfillment of your desires. Now, the problem is we take our desires and we twist them to something selfish, something sinful, something wicked, something immoral, something uh, corrupt, something selfish, and, and, and you can't Get God to help you fulfill your desires in a self-destructive or in a way that's destructive to anybody else. But the truth is, your basic true desire, God always wants to fulfill. But He wants to fulfill it in a way that makes you whole. He wants to fulfill it in a way that, that, that you're falling in love with Him and you're trusting Him. Now, Jesus even said it. He said, what things ever you desire when you pray, you know, believe that you receive them. So, Desire is really the starting place. And 
we have to realize that anytime we are stuck in any kind of a situation, there's always some secondary gain that's to be had if we stay in that situation. I've had this happen more times than, than I, I like to admit. You know, it happened with a boy in Mexico that had a withered hand and his hand instantly got healed. It happened, happened with a man in a church that I was ministering in who, uh, who had been crippled in an injury and, and he got healed. It happened in a crusade I was doing in Honduras where a girl was there that was blind. And I could go on down a list of other people that have had this experience where they actually experienced a healing. And then afterwards, they did not want their healing. You say, well, why in the world would somebody not want their healing? Well, the girl in Honduras was one of the most popular Christian singers in the entire country. And her entire persona, her entire reputation was she was the blind Christian singer. And she didn't know who she was going to be if she wasn't known as the blind Christian singer. And I'm telling you, she went home and locked herself up and did not come out till she was blind again. And I'm telling you, she got her sight in front of thousands of people and began to describe things around her that, that she... You know, she couldn't describe unless she saw. Uh, the man that I was talking about, uh, he, he was injured and, and he was living on a disability. And he became so fearful that he would lose his disability that, that he, he began to resist or not want his healing. And, and in just less than a couple of weeks, he, he was back crippled up again. The young boy in, in Mexico, all he had ever been all of his life was a beggar. And, uh, and, and I found him behind a building trying to push his arm back to his hand back to be withered like it was before. And when we asked him why, he said, I don't know how I'll make a living. I'm a beggar. If I don't, if I don't beg, I don't know how I'll make a living. See, secondary game. It's amazing what we can get. I could give you story after story after story of people who got stuck in situations because if they came out of those situations, they had no idea who they would be. They had no idea how they would live. They had no idea what the future would be for them. And the unknown is incredibly threatening. So there are benefits to being sick. There's benefits to being broke. There's benefits to being the needy person. And we've got to face those things. And when we face those things, at some point, we're going to move past desire or wishing, if you will, and we're going to move to the place of intention. Now, I want you to know that even though the word intention is not specifically mentioned in the Scripture, it is implied time and time again when teaching or demonstrating faith. Because, see, one of the things that faith does is, of course, faith chooses the desired outcome. Faith decides this is the outcome I choose, and it's not left to chance. You know, religion says, oh, I only want to do what God wants to do. I want to have what God wants me to have. You know something? That's a bunch of religious hooey, because the real truth is, if you're reading your Bible and you believe what Jesus did for you, you already know what the will of God is, because He showed us the will of God in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He showed us the will of God in the inheritance that, that we have in Him. So <clears throat> faith trust what God has already said. Faith trusts what God has already done. Faith trusts what God says He wants for us. Faith trusts that God has already done it all, and we don't have to ask again. We don't have to get something new uh, in order for God to be a blessing to us. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to show you one of the most important factors of waiting to get healed or waiting for your miracle or waiting for God. I'll be right back. Don't go away. You know, there's nothing 
more important than protecting your faith. That's one of the reasons the Bible tells you to guard your heart because out of your heart flows all of your abundance of the life because out of your heart is the seat of your faith. And listen, Faith of Missing Pieces is one of these series. I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people who recovered, lost, destroyed, and weakened faith because they learned the pieces that would put all of it back together and make it work like it was supposed to. You want to get this and you want to establish your faith. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure right now to click the like button below. When you click this, this causes more people to have exposure to these videos and it helps us reach people all over the world. You know what? That's why we do this is to reach and to help people all over the world. Now listen, I want to dive into an incredible story here that's going to help you understand this. Most of us have heard the story about the, the man who was crippled, who was laying beside the pool at Bethesda. And... Uh, he was laying there waiting for the waters to be stirred so that he could get into the water and be healed. Well, the truth is he had been laying there for years. And in John chapter 5, verse 4, uh, we jump into the middle of this story. And you can go read the whole story in John chapter 5, but we're going to start in verse 4. It says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped into, stepped into it, uh, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been now a long time in this situation, he said to him, and the King James says, will thou or will you be made whole? And the impotent man answered, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, somebody always steps in ahead of me before I can get there. And Jesus said to him, rise up, take your bed and walk. And as you know, he did. Now, the question that Jesus asked when he said, will thou be made whole? Are you, he is really, are you willing? Are you really willing to be made whole? You know, that's a tough question. And, and you know, I, I've ministered in prayer lines around the world and in crusades and in churches and, and been in about every kind of situation, one-on-one -on -one ministering to people. And you know, that's a question I ask, are you really willing to do this? You know, when, when you do this in other countries, by the way, and you're dealing with physical healing, uh, you, you can't do this stuff in America because you'll get sued. But when I'm in other countries, like, are you really willing to do this? Because if you're willing to do this, we're not going to stop until you walk, or we're not going to stop until this problem is solved. And man, this is when you, this is when you pray with people, you, you know, you get them to use their authority, and, but, but then you get them to start taking actions. You get them to start doing what they can't do. And you get them to put works with their faith. And you know, a lot of people don't get that. They think works, works, all works are evil. No, faith always produces his works. You know, here's one of the things you want to understand. There is no concept anywhere in the Old or the New Testament of believing something that you're not acting on. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the Old Testament is even more emphatic than the New Testament. Both Old and New Testament, though, present this concept. See, faith without works is dead. Faith that does not produce a corresponding action is dead. It produces nothing. Everything that you're doing, you're doing it because of what you believe you're going to get from it. You believe it's going to get you whatever it is that you want. And so there is really no place in God's vocabulary. There's in our philosophical concepts that have nothing to do with God or nothing to do with the Bible or nothing to do with faith. You know, we're always saying, well, I, I believe I'm just struggling. No, you're, 
what you're struggling with is the fact that you don't yet believe in your heart. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't mean God's against you. It means that you've got to deal with the beliefs of your heart. And so I always want to know, are you willing or, and are you willing to do anything that it will take in order to get healed or in order to break through this? And if you're not, then you are absolutely not ready to step into what God has for you. So <clears throat> Jesus told the man what to do. He told him to put works with his faith. Uh, he said, get up and walk. Get up, take your bed and walk. Now, keep in mind, when he told him to take up his bed and walk, he couldn't walk. He was still crippled. So intention had to play a role in here. There had to be an intention to have this. There had to be a sense of, I will not be denied. There had to be a sense of, this is what the Son of God says to me, so this is mine. I'm going to act on it because this is mine right now. And see, we should be that adamant about the promises of God. The Son of God came, became my sin, paid my price, was raised from the dead, earned and gained my victory through his faith. And if he was willing to die for this and fight this battle for this, then I'm going to have this. And nobody, no circumstance is going to allow me to be denied. So when Jesus tells this man, he says, get up and walk. Now, I tell you what, the, the New Testament doesn't spell this out for us, but I have seen this happen in crusades. And I'm, I'm thinking right now of a particular crusade I had on an island in the Philippines. And uh, uh, there was a, a Cripple woman that somebody had set up on the, on the edge of the platform and we were praying for people in mass. We weren't praying with them one-on-one -on -one because there were several thousand people there and you, you just couldn't pray for them one-on-one. -on -one. There wasn't enough time. So everybody laid hands on themselves, prayed for themselves. And when I told them to put works with their faith, when I told them to start doing what they couldn't do, this woman began to just crawl on, on her elbows across the platform. And she crawled and she crawled and she crawled. And at some point, she finally managed to, to get up on her knees. And at some point, she managed to get up on her feet. And she was taking little baby steps and teetering and, and, and stumbling around on the platform. And little by little, she, she got better and got better and got better. And finally, she was raising her knees up almost to her waist, marching back and forth across the platform. And just like just like, a, you know, a thousand people in the crowd, she experienced something supernatural with God. And the key, you know, here was the key thing. Since these people had never heard anything about God other than what I told them, once they heard that Jesus had already paid the price, that Jesus has already taken their sin, sickness, disease, poverty, shame, everything. He had already taken it to the grave and left it there and was raised from the dead so that they could have an inheritance. Then based on that, they said, all right, this is mine. God has settled this and I'm going to have it. And I'm telling you what, they would not be refused. See, there's this incredible inner battle that goes on, particularly here in the West. We have been programmed against faith. We have been programmed to not believe God. And so, so there's a battle that goes on inside of us. We want the promises of God, but mm, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I have enough faith. I'm not sure of this. I'm not sure of that. I'm not sure God's going to hear my prayer. No, no, no. I'm not sure I've prayed enough. You know, all of these prerequisites that we put on there. So, I'm going to put stipulations on God. I'm going to wait for a sign. I'm going to ask God to do something more significant than what he did through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Then 
if nothing happens, I'm in the clear because, see, I was willing, but God wasn't willing. Now, we never say those words, per se, and we get very pious about it. You know, I, you know, I get emails from people all the time and just say, you know, I went through this tragedy, you know what, and, and, and it's, you know, it just wasn't God's will to do this. And, and let, let me tell you something. After a while, that just erodes your confidence in God. And I got news for you. When you're up against the wall in life and death situations, if you think God in some situation uh, changed his will because of you, then every time you're facing a dramatic situation, you're going to be wondering if it's going to be God's will this time. You know, many of you have heard me talk about getting healed from a congenital kidney disease that plagued me all of my life. And, you know, in, in 1978, got up with a pain in my side before the day was over, couldn't get out of bed. The next day I was rushed to the hospital. And, and uh, so they, they started doing x-rays and MRIs. And, and, and basically the, the guy that did the x-rays told a nurse friend of mine, they had never seen anybody with kidneys as bad as mine that, that was still alive. And so it looked like, you know, I wasn't going to make it. So it began a three and a half year battle of me attempting to persuade my heart to believe the truth. And I'm not going to go into it because many people have heard me talk about it before. And you can get this on other series or you can get this on my personal testimony uh, DVD. But I want you to understand something. All through this thing, I kept praying for the sick. And I would see other people get healed and I would not go home healed. And, you know, Brenda was giving me shots at one point every four hours uh, to keep this infection under control that had gotten into my kidneys that it wasn't, so, uh, uh, it was a, it was a pseudomonas, which we all have in our body, but it's not supposed to be in your kidneys. And back in the, back in the eighties, there was no treatment for this. Uh, I was on an experimental drug and every four hours she had to give me a shot to keep this from running wild in my kidneys. And I would have been dead in just probably a couple of weeks if I didn't keep taking these shots. And there were people that called me a hypocrite. There were people that said, what are you doing praying for people and you're not healed yourself? Let me tell you something. I would tell them, let me tell you something. Just because I'm not experiencing this promise of God does not mean it's not true. And it doesn't mean you can't experience it. Because if you get healed, what I'm preaching to you is only because you believe the words, not because I'm something special or I have something special. But the long and the short of it is I walked that out and I persuaded my heart but you know, at the end of it, I don't, I don't share a lot about aspects of what God speaks to me about things because I don't want your faith to be built around my experiences. But I want to tell you something. You know, one day I was, I was uh, in a prolonged fast. I was seeking God and praying and um, I was seeking to learn some things about walking in faith. And you know, one of the things that God showed me, he it actually spoke to me. He said, because you never blamed me, I was able to heal you. In other words, if I had blamed him, if I'd ever one time said, this is not the will of God, if I'd ever one time said, you know, anything other than I am making this journey, healing is mine, I'm not experiencing it, I'm going to experience it. If I'd ever, 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 ever one time went to that place, my heart would have never let me experience that healing that Jesus had already died to give me. You know, there's an interesting scripture in the book of Job. You know, so much bad doctrine comes out of the book of Job because we take all of the things that Job said before uh, he dealt with his issues 
and we put them into doctrine and we forget that in Job 38, you know, God says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? <laughs> and, and well, Job was the one and everything Job has set up that point, everything he said was basically a self-righteous excuse trying to say why he, why it was God's fault. That, that he was going through what he was going through, that God was doing this for some mystical reason. Well, in Job 40, verse 7, God says, Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? You know something? When we deny that it's God's will to answer our prayers based on the promises of God, when we deny it's His will to get healed or delivered or set free, we are condemning Him so that we can be justified. Listen, I'll be back with the mentoring moment. Don't go away. We won't get to the practical side of this. If you're ready for your faith to explode into something effective and powerful, if you're ready to take everything you know about God and bring the pieces together so they work, then you want to get faith the missing pieces. I'm telling you, it's going to transform your belief, your trust for God. You know, God has opened some great doors for us. I want to give you the opportunity to step through them with us. We just recently sent about 125 copies of Taking the Limits Off God to some of our veterans that are deployed in the Middle East. We also just sent about 150 copies of How to Stop the Pain to a prison that's taking prisoners through using this book and doing a book study together. We've also started dozens of Bible schools in third world countries over the last few months. And we do all of that without asking for a dime or charging them anything because I always tell them our world changers always want to be a part of reaching people around the world. I want you to consider becoming a world changer or at least giving us a generous donation to help us. We've got more books to send out. We've got more Bible schools to start. We are changing the way the world sees God and we are spreading this message all over the world, but I need you to help me financially. So be sure and go to our website and become a part of our World Changer family. Be sure and take just a couple of seconds at the end of the mentoring moment to click the subscribe button. When you subscribe to this, every week you're going to find out what's going on. You're going to get a new message, but also thousands of other people are going to have the opportunity to see and hear these messages just because you describe. Now listen, talking about the mentoring moment, there's some, listen, there's some tough questions we've got to ask ourselves. If we want to live in the supernatural, if we want to bring our faith to life, if we want to, if we want to live the way the New Testament says that we can live and have what Jesus died to give us, we've got to get serious. And one of the things we've got to ask us, ourselves about every situation is, number one, whatever it is that I want, is there anywhere that God ever promised this to anybody in anywhere in the Bible? Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. So if God has promised this to anybody, then it is the will of God for you to have it because it's part of Jesus' inheritance. Second question you have to ask yourself, if you're going through something negative, is this the curse of the law? And go back and read the curses and see if, if this is any of the curses of the law. And you might even deserve that it be in your life, but it's not the will of God. And in those situations, you have to bind and loose. You have to loose or allow. How do you do this? Out loud. In the name of Jesus, I allow, I invite, I am willing to accept the blessing of 
whatever it is. The promise of because I am in Jesus. It is his inheritance. He deserved it. He obtained it by his faith. I am in him and I share in this inheritance with him. And if there's something going on that's the curse in your life, this is where you have to say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you and I say, I do not accept you. I don't want you. You don't bring me any benefit. I command you to leave my life right now. And then you open up your heart to God. And, and you know, you might search your heart. Are there reasons I'm holding on to this problem? Are there benefits that I'm getting out of this? Are people feeling sorry for me? Are people doing things for me? Is this helping me escape responsibility? Whatever. And let go of all that stuff and determine to follow God into the quality of life that Jesus promised. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.